Thank you. Thank you, Miss Kayla. Thank you, Hannah and Caitlin. Good to have you ladies back for the summer. Amen. And uh, thank you, Miss Heidi, Miss Robin, Caden, and Eric for your ministry to us today on the instruments. <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, there was a day when America could rightly be referred to as a Christian nation. And there is a Supreme Court case, it's a famous case, the jurisprudence in it isn't very good, but the, the statement was made by one of our Supreme Court justices that in all our institutions, America is quite obviously a Christian nation. That was 1892. And again, please understand when I say that, this is a qualifier, I don't mean to imply that our union was in any way perfect. When that statement was made just 27 years after the Civil War was fought, the issue of slavery was still a very serious issue. The issue of whether the man of different pigmentation was equal. So I don't mean to imply that America was perfect. I don't mean to imply that at all. But I do mean to say that despite uh, error, that America was a Christian nation in the fact that it was rooted in Judeo-Christian morality. Even the pilgrims as they first came over, if you read the Mayflower Complex, why did they come? They came for the glory of God and the establishment of the Christian religion. Okay, that's why our country was founded by the pilgrims. But we had a Judeo-Christian morality. And for, some people would say longer, but I think you can point back at least about 60 years, 70 maybe now, the America has been piece by piece, brick by brick, rebar by rebar, removed from its moorings of Judeo-Christian morality. Some of you are old enough to remember having prayer in school. Didn't force anybody. Just bowed your head. If you didn't want to, you didn't have to. Some of you remember, you're old enough to remember that the Bible was read in public school. Our Supreme Court decreed that that was no longer allowed. And it uh, reminds me of the story I heard, and it's hard to believe that uh, next year will be 25 years since the Columbine shooting. 25 years. It just seems like it was yesterday. I remember hearing a story of, of someone lamenting as they were outside and the, the, the killers were still in there, and somebody had said, why doesn't God do something? And another student pointed to the school and said, God's not allowed in there. Today, in 2023, we have some vestiges of a Christian nation, but I think most of us would agree, if we're honest, that America is a sinful nation. A sinful nation. And it leads me in my introduction to this topic of sin. The definition of sin is simply this, disobedience to God and His Word. That is what it is 
to sin. Now, there are several descriptions of sin in the Bible. So not only the definition of sin, but the description of sin. Uh, the first one that we know of very well is in Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It, sin means to come short. God's standard is here. And some people come to hear, and some people come to hear. But Brother Jeff, nobody comes to hear. Everybody comes short of God's standard. Sin is not only uh, uh, to come short, but it is called unrighteousness. We remember one of the most blessed verses in the Bible is 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and unjust and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness in regards to sin has to do with injustice or dishonesty or to do wrong. I think we all understand that about sin. My wife and I were just talking about this yesterday and how uh, there are those that don't correct their children of sin young and you've got a problem on your hands if you don't do that. You have to teach them that's wrong. Don't do that. So the description of sin to come short, uh, uh, missing the mark, unrighteousness, iniquity, injustice, dishonor. Trespass means to fall. Matthew 18, 15 talks about, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, means he fell into some sort of sin. Iniquity, that word is used in uh, 1 John 3, 4. It means lawlessness. We know a little bit about that in America in the last few years, don't we? It's a peaceful protest, I swear. With burning and riots and looting and lawlessness. It means a word we're familiar with in that same verse in 1 John 3, 4. There's the word transgression. Sin is the transgression of the law. Transgression means to cross the line. Did you ever have as your parents, or I, I've done it before, you do that one more time. And by the way, some people one more time is about 15 more times. I'm glad of something Brother Jeff Becker said about his dad. And his dad's the sweetest guy. I'm sure he wasn't always, but he is now, amen. Brother Jeff said, my dad said what he meant and meant what he said. And all God's dad said, amen, <laughs> glory. You know what? He said, you cross that line and there's going to be consequences. That's what exactly what it means to transgress. Sin is the transgression of the law. Ungodliness, that word is used in Jude 15, I believe, four times. Ungodly. Debt. We owe the sin debt. Our sin debt keeps accruing with interest. Disobedience, of course. So there's the definition of sin. It means to disobey God. There's the description of sin in various forms. Uh, to come short, uh, uh, to injustice, to, to fall, lawlessness, to cross God's line. Then there's the destructiveness of sin. Sin, when, when we, we go astray, when we, we disobey God. Listen to me, it has a destructive price. For the wages of sin is death. 
They're it. Listen to me. Payday someday always comes when it comes to sin. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death, James 1.14 tells us. But praise God, there's a defeat of sin. See that up there? Not talking about the graphic, I'm talking about those two pieces of wood above it. That's the defeat of sin. When Jesus Christ died on the cross. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.3 about the gospel? That we know according to the scriptures that Christ died for our sins. It tells us in 1 John 1.7, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Aren't you glad that sin can be forgiven? And Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years before you'd ever committed a sin. In the moment that you place your faith and trust in Him, He forgives you of all your sins and gives you the power to live as you should. Does that mean we never sin anymore, Pastor? No, it doesn't. I wish it did. We still got this old flesh. Here we are in America. Now, I love America, by the way. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying about America today. I'm a flag-waving patriot. I love this country. I love the fact that we can do what we're doing right now. And forgive me, I can have a little righteous indignation against my nation, and nobody's going to come in here. Take me out. But here we are in June. Each year in America now, for the last several. And our society is inundated with the normalizing of the sin of homosexuality. A lifestyle and activity which is absolutely condemned by God's Word. And, I would say, God's processes of nature also say no. But also now, and this is where we're, we're living, I'm just grazing this particular sin today because I'm focusing on another sin that is much broader. But now, we are being encouraged to take pride in the sin of homosexuality. Both of these Homosexuality and pride are grievous sins before God. Both of them. So that's what I'm dealing with today in this title is the sin of pride. And by the way, if you're a church member and you think you're getting off scot-free in this message, better buckle up. Amen? What is pride? What, What is the sin of pride? A conceited sense of one's superiority. Billy Graham in his book on the seven deadly sins, great book from the 1950s that I have in my library, he said, a haughty, undue self-esteem out of all proportion to actual worth. That's what pride is. It is the repugnant egotism, that revolting conceit, which swaggers before men and struts in the presence of Almighty God. That's pride. 
I want you to look at three different points today. I'll have some subpoints, some applications. But number one, go back with me to Proverbs chapter 6. And let's look, number one, this morning at the hatred of the Almighty. The hatred of the Almighty. See, we are told in this sinful age that God is love and only love. Now, our God is love. Amen. You ought to read 1 John chapter 4 where we learn that God is love. That He hath given His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He proved His love toward us. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Amen? But the one-dimensional God of love that society is pushing exists only in their reprobate minds. That is not the God of the Bible. Love is part of His character. But it says here in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, please. If you look at it with me, it says, These six things doth the Lord hate. With divine love, there is also divine hatred. Just mentioning this morning uh, to a friend of mine from Blissfield, uh, we were on Facebook together, and he was mentioning when, when Jesus flipped over the tables, when Jesus was, was righteously indignant, and he, he wondered, he was basically lamenting, of why, why doesn't that happen anymore in the fact? And I said, because to be righteously indignant, there needs to be some righteousness. See, Jesus didn't just get angry and start flipping tables over. There was a righteousness about him where people were being cheated and deceived. And it bothered him. Here it tells us, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that there are some things that God hates. And the first thing on the list is a proud look. But there's more to that list. Lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Jump over to Proverbs chapter 8. I know we read it. Proverbs chapter 8. And look at verse number 13, please. Look again what it says. Again, don't take my word for it. Look and see what God says about it. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That means if we truly fear the Lord, we should hate evil. We see what it does to people. We see how it wrecks life. Listen to me. I hate liquor. Why? Because I fear the Lord. I have watched liquor tear homes apart. I have seen what it does. I hate that stuff. I'm not going to have that stuff in my home. I'm going to do my best to avoid it. 
Why? Because I think I'm something? No, because I fear the God of heaven. He said if I truly hold him in reverence like we ought to, you'll hate evil. Does that mean you hate people? No, no, and ten times more no. Don't hate people. Hate evil. And evil eats people up. It says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Colon. That means the sentence isn't over. Pride. You know what that means? I'm to hate pride. God hates pride. It says here, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. God hates pride. He hates it. The sin of pride. And you know, Brother, uh, Brother Travis, what I think of when I think of God hating pride, I think, listen, I think of heaven. I think of before the creation. I think of God and the angels up there around the throne. And I think of an angel named Lucifer who said, I'm going to be God. I'm going to take that throne from him. And he gathered one-third of heaven's angels into his devious, prideful plot. You know, that's what it means in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15. said about uh, Lucifer, Thou wast perfect till iniquity was found in thee. Pride was that iniquity. The reason we have cemeteries, yes, is because Adam and Eve sinned, but it is because of pride. It is because of pride. Pride filled the heart of Lucifer, causing him to dethrone God. And I'm telling you, God hates pride. If he hates it in Lucifer and he hates it in the angels, he most certainly hates it in his creatures. Human beings. Pride. So there's the hatred of the Almighty. But then if you go to Romans chapter 1 with me, not only is there the hatred of the Almighty, but there's the heart of apostasy and pride. The hatred of the Almighty and pride. Number two, the heart of apostasy and pride. See, what we have in Romans 1 is we have a uh, the picture, and it's, it's Gentiles, it's those that are not Jews. He deals with the Jews in chapters 2 and 3. But particularly, uh, uh, the world that rejects God. That when you read the end of Romans chapter 1, verses really verses 18 uh, through 32, and it talks about here how the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And that's what we are seeing right now in our society. We are seeing ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And all these acts that follow here, and this, this uh, heart of apostasy. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, right there in the middle, if you look at verse number 30 of Romans chapter 1, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful. What's the next word? Proud. The heart of apostasy. And we've been studying apostasy for 50 weeks on Wednesday nights. If you missed it, I'm sorry. We've been doing it for a while. What is apostasy? It is a turning away from God. It is a departing from God. And what causes it? I'm telling you what's at the root of it is pride. Pride. It's pride. 
Romans 1 is a picture of a society that has rejected God and God has righteously permitted them to have the, the fruits of their ways. In essence, God says this, okay, By the way, ladies and gentlemen, that is the scariest thing you can ever have in your life if, when God lets you have your own way. His ways are far above our ways. His thoughts are so much better than our thoughts. The heart of apostasy. You see, ladies and gentlemen, pride spurns God. Pride mocks God. Pride says, I don't need God. Pride eventually says, there is no God. Psalm 10, verse 3 says, The wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetousness who the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. The heart of apostasy. It is pride that is at the very center of the hatred of and departure from God. It is pride. That wicked sense of self-worth. By the way, I'm not talking about taking pride in your work. I'm not talking about dignity and integrity. None of that. I'm talking about that haughtiness that says to a holy God, I'll live any way I please and be proud about it. That's what I'm talking about today. The hatred of the Almighty. The heart of apostasy. Number three, the hellishness of association. The hellishness of association. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, we read Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. And we read all the things that God hates. And Brother Brandon, right in the middle of there is pride. As a matter of fact, it's at the front, of the front of the list. Pride. Then we read in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, several more sins that are listed that God hates. And Brother Lolly, pride is right there. If you were to read when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7, and they were talking about eating with unwashed hands. Jesus gives a laundry list of sins, and guess what's in there? Pride. Goes along with murder and thievery and any other sin you can think of that's listed. And then, of course, we read there in Romans chapter 1, you're still there, uh, but look at verse 29. It says, being filled with all unrighteousness fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, In the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud. It seems like any time you find a sin list in the Bible, that pride is mixed up in there. 
the hellishness of association. Pride is listed amongst the worst of sins because it is amongst the worst of sins. Let me give you some application today. The hatred of the Almighty, God hates pride. The heart of apostasy, pride is at the heart of turning from God. And the hellishness of association, you find these sin lists, pride's always mixed up in it. Let me give you some applications. First of all, we must recognize pride and what it does. We must recognize pride and what it does. Let me tell you, some, let me give you some prides in the Bible to recognize. There's racial pride. Remember what the Jews said? We're, we have Abraham for our father. You know what they were doing? They were taking pride in the fact they were elevating themselves. Well, Abraham's our father. Do you know what is at the guts of 60 million dead 80 years ago in World War II? You know what's at the guts of it? Racial pride. The Germans thought that they were the master race. And amazingly, so did the Japanese. Thought they were better than everybody else and they could subjugate people. I tell you, if you don't know a lot about Nazi theory and philosophy, I've read a lot. What they wanted to do to Russia and Eastern Europe, and what they wanted to do even more to the Jews, sending them to Madagascar to just brought on an island, has everything to do with racial pride. You listen to me. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Racial pride is as wicked as the devil. And by the way, it doesn't only go one way. There are folks with different pigmentations who are racist against people that are light-skinned. It's wicked in all forms, and all God's people said. So we have to recognize pride. There's racial pride. You know what else there is? There's righteous pride. There's righteous pride. You know what righteous pride is? Righteous pride is, part, part of it is, we think about, there is a good part of pride in the fact of, of, of having integrity, working hard, all these things, in the fact we like, look, I'll, I'll work, I'll make my own way, I'll, I'll, I'll do a good job. Nothing wrong with any of that. But righteous pride is this, I don't need Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'll make it on my own. But you know what, Brother Jeff, some of those people come a lot closer than some folks that I know. I mean, they live a honorable life, and you would look at them and say, by all accounts, that is a righteous person, except there's none righteous, no, not one. Amen. That the reason when we get to heaven, and it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you know who would boast? Prideful people. If we'd walk around and we'd see that guy strutting like a peacock in heaven because he hung on and got in there himself, and Miss Marilyn, we'd avoid him like the plague. But nobody will do that in heaven because there's no room for pride in heaven because everybody who goes to heaven has trusted Jesus Christ and what he did for us. There's no boasting. So there's racial pride. There's righteous pride. Hey, folks, here we go. You buckled up? Got your harness on? There's religious pride. 
And Jesus Christ himself dealt with that specifically in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Read it yourself. He said, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous. By the way, going back to the last point, righteous pride. And despised others. I had someone call me a Pharisee this week. Say, you, just, you, you despise homosexuals. I do not either. I'm sick of being made. To, it, it, says, it says despisers of those that are good. I'm sick to being made to feel that I'm evil because I'm calling it a sin. I think the, the vast majority of American population is sick of that very thing. It's still a sin. We'll look at that in just a moment. But there's a religious pride that says, well, I fast and I give and, and I go to church and I give to missions and I do all this. And you listen to me, you can be filled with pride. You want to be filled with something? Why don't you be filled with gratitude for the grace of God in your life? Because last time I checked, none of us deserved it. None of us deserve God's grace. He pours it out on us. There's racial pride. There's righteous pride. There's religious pride. And then what we see in our society right now is what I call reprobate pride. Reprobate pride. It is literally the, the fulfillment, Brother Tom, of Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. They set themselves of the earth together and they say, let us cast their cords from us and break their bands. We don't need God. We don't need his restraints. We'll do whatever we want. Love is love. And if you don't like it, you're the problem. And you know what it's a product of? Pride and God saying, okay, go ahead. Have it your way. So we have to recognize pride and what it does. By the way, you want to know what pride does? Only by pride cometh contention. Brother Jeff, every time I think of society and, and it's just so at each other about this issue, I think of pride. Only by pride cometh contention, Proverbs 13.10. So recognize pride. Secondly, just by way of application, we not only need to recognize pride, but we have to realize that pride is sin. Realize, this is, this is my contention with this month. This is my contention with this month. As a preacher of the Word of God, the Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 4, it says this, And high look and a proud heart in the plowing of the wicked is sin. I don't care what the world says when this book says otherwise. And it's high time we as God's people had that attitude. You don't have to be ugly, although we're going to get uglier. We're going to look, I, I've said this so many times before, uh, Brother Kelly was the one who mentioned to me, uh, he said, you know, he said, you remind me in your preaching a lot of Pastor Anthony. And I thought to myself, what an honor to, be, to have that said to me, amen. Pastor Anthony was here for 25 years. But I've said this, when Pastor Anthony preached in 1967 or 1974 or 1981, this pulpit, this pulpit was right here in the middle of the church. And society had lurched to about here. 
Brother Lolly, this pulpit's still in the middle, and I'm still preaching the same stuff, but society's over here. Yep. So you know what that looks like? Right wing. I'm telling you, what comes out of this pulpit is what came out of it, has come out of it for the last 50 years. Pride is sin. I don't care if it's racial pride. I don't care if it's righteous pride. I don't care if it's religious pride. I don't care if it's reprobate pride. Pride is sin. It is sin. So we've got to recognize pride for what it does. We need to realize that pride is sin. And we need to repent of pride. Repent. Not only recognize and realize, but repent. I think about what is said twice. I believe it's said in James 4, verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And then it's said again in 1 Peter. You know why I know pride is sin? Because God resists it. And here's what he tells me. If you'll just humble yourself. Now, again, all we have to do is to get rid of this inflated ego that we have of ourselves. And why we have it, I'll never know. If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. It is, again, I remember uh, Cliff Lawton, who I've gotten to be friends with on Facebook in these last couple of years. He came and preached at Midwestern uh, one time. And Brother Ewald, he said this, he said, you know what we are? We're nothing more than souped up dust. According to Genesis 2.7, he's spot on. How could you take any pride in that? Except for the one who souped us up. Pride needs to be repented of. Racial pride needs to be repented of. Righteous pride. You think you're righteous in your own. You need to repent of that. Religious pride. I think I wear a suit and I carry King James Bible and all that. And again, I'm not against those things. I'm for those things. But if you, that's where your, your pride is, then it's misplaced. Reprobate pride. So we're to recognize pride and what it does. We're to realize that pride is sin. We're to repent of pride. And again, here's, here's where I'm living right now, ladies and gentlemen. I reject the promotion of pride. I will not. I don't care who shames me. I don't care who mocks me. I don't care who falsely accuses me. I don't care who despises me. I will not promote what God calls a sin. Every believer should say that. Not just the pastor. Every believer should have the conviction that if God says it's sin, then it is. And I will not promote it. I will not say it's okay. I will not pretend. I will not be shamed. Just won't do it. And I, listen, I'm raising my children to God be the glory, teaching them about these things. We're careful about teaching them too much too soon. I was literally watching a pastor yesterday who was at a school board meeting. And Brother Lolly, he was reading from a book from the library. 
and he was reading it verbatim. And the person that was in charge of the meeting stopped him several times and said, you can't read that, you can't read that. And he, he jumped back and said, is it something I said? He said, it's kind of embarrassing to, to hear these words read, isn't it? It was talking all about sexual activity and all that. And he said, it's amazing that it's in my child's library at their school for them to take out whenever they want, but you have a problem with me reading it. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, America's a sinful nation. But part of the problem is judgment must first begin at the house of God. It starts here with us recognizing pride and what it does. It starts with us realizing that pride is sin. The whole world can, can push sin, but that doesn't mean we have to. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord when the whole world, forgive me, was going to hell. We need to repent of pride ourselves. Pride can sneak into our hearts. We can think ourselves better than somebody else. We need to reject the promotion of pride. I'm going to do something this morning I don't often do. But I want to ask you, if you would, to come. Come as close as you can. If you can't get out of your seat and you just want to stay in your seat, that's fine. But I want us to come. We're going to have the invitation. I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to pray for our once great country. And by the way, still the hope of all the world. People still get on boards and float to get here. People still cross fences. To, I understand why. But we have got to say sin is sin and pride is sin. Father.